0: What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast. This is money, your problematic bickin' head. Wow. Okay. Oh. Okay.
1: <laughs> Where do I go from there? <laughs> and uh, I am Nikita, and this week I am your friendly neighborhood. You're
0: always the friendly neighborhood. Why? <laughs> because I'm communal. <laughs> oh. So you for everybody. Okay. I, I see what you're doing,
1: that that was cute. Anyway, this week, I am your friendly neighborhood recovering sick bitch. I, both of <laughs> us were yeah. um, knocked
0: down pretty hard by something going around. This so, was supposed to be recorded yesterday? Yesterday. And we were both too sick. Nikita sounded like death on a stick yesterday. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and you had some nausea situation
1: going on. I did, indeed.
0: Yeah. So I'm glad we're both feeling better,
1: friend. Yeah, so instead of recording, I sat at Money's house for a little bit and we watched the really horrific acting (laughs) in Empire. I haven't watched it in a really long time and we were both.
0: (laughs) I used my sick day to catch up and I'm I'm so sad that I did. That was bad. Actually, I stopped and started watching something else because I was like, I can't do this no more. Did you start watching Bones? Actually, no. Oh, you're under something new? No, but we will not discuss (laughs) my Bones watching. All right. What's
1: her name? Temperance Brenner? That's a good classic 19th century white woman's name. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. I hope you hear that on the daily, baby, you love, you love.
0: All right. So where can they find us, Nikita? I'm so glad you asked.
1: You can find us. I'm going to change it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can find us on the Instagram oh, at God. QueerWalkPod. You can find us on Twitter, also at queer Walk Pod, And don't forget, whenever you're listening or whenever you want to talk about the show, please use the hashtag, which is hashtag QueerWOC. You can also find us on Tumblr, Tumblr, oh, excuse me, QueerWalk.com, slide up in the inbox, <laughs> get deep off in the inbox. Oh, excuse me, get deep off in the <laughs> inbox. <laughs> at our Gmail at queer, Pod at Gmail.com, And uh, certainly, last but not least, Facebook. Queer Walk,
0: colon, the podcast. The colon is not necessary. It is. It's hard to find things on Facebook. Another place y'all can also find us, if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to podcasts in general, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, if you want to be around Black-ass creators, you can find us at the Pod and Live NYC event, the second annual hosted by Tea with Queen and Jay. Um, I will put the RSVP link. You can RSVP for free. I don't even know if I said that last time, but it's for the free. It's a free event as long as you RSVP. And RSVP is filling up quickly. So, yeah, go ahead and do that. So, Yeah, come through April 21st at Vaughn Bar in Manhattan. Um, And, yeah, and I'm going to be there all weekend. So, you know, if you want to. What does that mean? (laughs) They know. What? No, I want to (laughs) know. I won't be at Vaughn all weekend. I'm going to be in New York City all weekend. Doing what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay.
0: (laughs) Um. Wow. Maybe you should be, um, maybe you should have a chaperone. I thought you was going to say maybe you should get a shot before that. <laughs> maybe that too.
1: I don't know. I just want you to be safe on all fronts. I'm, no I'm pun intended. Be... <laughs> Nasty. All right. Be sure to RSVP. Yes. To Pod Live NYC. Oh my God, I can't stop. Ramen? Yeah. What are you, a rapper now? Something? What do you mean now?
0: <laughs> oh, excuse me.
1: Anyway. You can also listen to us on Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud.com slash queerwalkpod. <laughs> Did you really have to do the dot com. Okay. Yes. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcast. Thanks, Nikita.
0: You can also contribute to this community um, and donate. So you can hit us up on Patreon, which is a monthly donation. Um, for the price of a candy bar, uh, you can help this What kind of candy podcast. you getting, you getting Godava? <laughs> no, bitch, candy has gone up. Was it, Lindor truffles? <laughs> when the last Lindor? time you bought a candy bar? I don't know. Exactly. Because at the gas station, it's like two of them for $5. Well, everything is, um, overpriced at the gas station. It's a convenience store.
1: You pay for the convenience.
0: Well, I haven't bought groceries since before South by Southwest, wow. so I don't know the going rate. Okay, Yikes. oh, I need to turn my phone
1: on vibrate. All right, let's please let's move on. No, <laughs> please don't quote from that movie. What movie? Because your phone, your ringtone, you know, oh, what my movie.
0: movie. Yes, yes, your movie. Anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to say how people can donate. Well, keep going. I, I was about to say something about vibranium, but I'm not going no. to. Okay. Um, so, yes, you can contribute on Patreon, become a sustainer monthly at patreon.com queerwalkpod. Or you can just drop us off a one-time donation in the PayPal at paypal.me queerwoc.
1: That was nice. I know. That makes me want to get up, pause the episode while we're in the middle of
0: recording and go donate. Well, you know, I'm just trying to inspire greatness. I think you did it. I'm just an icon living. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm
1: Martinique gonna... is exiting the building. I'm
0: not. I'm just grabbing my phone to turn it on silent. You have to put me out there like that. Consider yourself put. Alright, so this week, Nikita, you gonna give us queer walk of the week?
1: Right. And so this isn't this is gonna be more of a collective queer walk slash queer pop okay Uh, can we do that yeah you know why we can do that because it's our Our motherfucking show
0: program program yeah thank you (laughs) i I like that you're a program convert you know okay my mama told me it was the original language (laughs) so you know before all the bougie people yeah you know what that is that's a decolonizing pedagogy wow for that ass so yeah (laughs) touche okay so,
1: I don't even know how I came across this, but uh, just, it's like a few days ago from recording, so in early April, um, there was a group of queer folks of color, particularly queer black and brown folks in Phoenix, and they marched down... Um, downtown Phoenix, and they marched to the F- Phoenix Police Department headquarters. And one of the things that they did while they marched was actual um, they actually held a funeral procession um, to denote and represent the, uh, excuse me, Black and Latino folks, particularly queer people, um, who have been uh, killed or murdered by the police. Phoenix PD. Phoenix PD, mm-hmm. right. So they marched down to the Phoenix Police Department. And something that I just really loved about this, and... I mean, this has been sent front and center of like BLM, right? Saying that's an intersectional, you know, queer-led movement. And so they really um, were basically bringing, bringing those politics um, to the fore or making sure that those kind of politics remained at the fore. So there were different organizations, including um, Black Lives Matter, Metro Phoenix, uh, Rais of Planned Parenthood Arizona Black Voters Initiative Trans Queer Pueblo Arizona Coalition to End Domestic and Sexual Violence and Center for Neighborhood Leadership and, um, and just to quote uh, somebody from um, the the action, uh, her name is Crystal or their name is Crystal Zaragoza a Health Justice Coordinator for Trans Queer Pueblo and so she says, as a queer woman of color and a daughter of Mexican immigrants I have experienced firsthand the violence enforced by police officers, and I've seen how it's negatively affected our communities. And so they really were um, even just hearing the names of the organization of the organizations, you know, that helped put on this um, Mm -hmm. march and this funeral procession. They really did, I think, a really good job of bringing the connection between specifically like black, you know, black folks brown folks and um, queer folks. So shout out to them for doing something that was very concretely um, intersectional and making sure that, you know, queer and trans people um, were leading, um, you know, leading that action. Mm -hmm. And this is, they've seems like they've been doing a lot of work down in Phoenix because last year they also interrupted the Pride Parade, you know, and that's something that we've been seeing all across the country. I know that that was real big up in Toronto. And they um, interrupted Pride um, to demand that Pride... And Phoenix pulled the police out of the event. So it seems like this Mm -hmm. is an escalation or like another tactic in that strategy to de-link pride from the police. So shout out to the amazing uh, queer trans organizers um, of color out of Phoenix um, leading this important charge and saying, you know, no to the police. Yeah, And especially, I mean... And no to the whitewashing of of pride too. Right. Yeah. Um, It just seems like... Especially like the last I mean, what's how many more people have been killed by the police since the last time we recorded? It oh seems my gosh. like it's like
0: three or four yeah. at, least at least four. Four. Yeah. And so And we bi weekly. And we're bi weekly. And that's just yeah. the stories that have um risen to national attention that we yeah. get to hear about. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um just shout out to them
1: and um all unfortunately always a shade to the people. Um, who have who been we've lost. murdered yeah. and killed by the police. And, well, never but, mind. What? I was gonna talk about that Stefan Clark thing and how people were
0: talking about that. What? That was just really getting on my nerves. This is our, oh, our motherfucking like well, You know what? A lot of stuff has happened and popped off and we are, but although we are icons living, we are but human yeah. and we can only do so much like we came back from Texas. Shit was popping off. We <laughs> we interviewed yeah. Barbara Smith. Shit still popping off. So you know, like free alley. I think we haven't said right. that on here. Like the Afro Latinas, the queer Afro Latinas, been going through it. We haven't we just had the time, like the physical time to do it. We've been sick. Like I think it's okay, Nikita. Okay. So go ahead. Like you was gonna
1: say. I was just Stephon gonna say. Clark. Um, So as we know, Stefan uh, Clark was killed uh, by the police in Sacramento, Mm -hmm. armed with nothing but a cell phone. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just saw on the um, there was a lot of discussion, a lot of debate that was happening. On social media, where people—I um, guess somebody found some tweets yeah. that he tweeted like three or four years ago, mm-hmm. saying something that was really disparaging and you know particularly like awful ar- mm-hmm. around black women. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of people who were saying a couple of yeah a couple of folks who were saying, um, you know, he
0: I'm not I'm not gonna I'm yeah. I'm
1: not gonna march for him mm-hmm. because he wouldn't march for me. Right. And so. Obviously, as black mm-hmm. women, we know how horrific and painful mm-hmm. it is to be um, you know, just just totally, you know, disrespected, disrespected mm-hmm. degraded. and degraded and so forth and such and such. So just we, for being us. Right. And we mm-hmm. totally get that, but I guess the thing that made me um uncomfortable with that is that for me at the end of the day, I any kind of organizing I've ever done, or the organizing that you know I do now, or like have done recently, for me, it's all about principles. It's right. like I am, I tweeted this, I am fundamentally opposed to state san- mm-hmm. sanctioned mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just I don't march because any, I don't do any kind of organizing or marching because Come I on, think Nikita. that the person who's you know, b- you know, murdered with mm-hmm. impunity by the state, because mm-hmm. I think that they'll do it. For me, right, I just think Say that. it's it's just fundamentally undignified, right. fundamentally inhumane, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. why we do it. And mm-hmm. the second thing, right, that I mean, I was also tweeting this is like we're living in a fantasy world if we think that the same foot soldiers of the state that are allowed to kill black people, you know, black mm-hmm. men, black trans people, black queer mm-hmm. people, black women, a, a state that can kill can kill us with impunity. That That's not a system that serves black women right, either. Right, right. Right? And so mm-hmm. it's like, even if you're not marching, you right. know, like, let's say you're like, I don't want to march for Stephon mm-hmm. Clark. Mm-hmm. You need to like, you would be organizing, marching, and supporting organizing right. for yourself. Right, like, right. And some other people were tweeting. He didn't. First of all, no, the the officer didn't kill him because they were like, wow, this is somebody who's... who's anti-black women. Right, and now we're going <laughs> to exactly. take justice into our right, own hands. Right, that's, right, That's not the case by any yeah. stretch of yeah. the imagination. And somebody, something that I really appreciated that Kimberly Foster from For Harriet tweeted was that... And, you know, people's ideas change, but mm-hmm. Stefan
0: Clark is never going to have the chance for He's his ideas gonna have to change because his right. life was ripped exactly. away from him. Exactly, exactly. And so... Do, do you know... Well, I think we talk about this all the time. Like, would we have liked each other if we met in, like, middle school and stuff? I've been able to live to this point to develop and right. change and to learn shit. That's why I started this saying, like, I'm your problematic bickin'head head. Because I'm going to always be, like, denied life in those frameworks right. where we get to say who is and is not, like, worthy of marching for right. in whatever kind of way. And another thing for me is, like, it's real obvious to me that Like, you're an organizer. And that's Mm -hmm. the difference between, I guess, activism and organizing. Sure. It's like... It's kind of like the African proverb. proverb. Like, if you want to go far... Like, what is it? If you want to go... Alone. Or something, go by yourself. But if you want to go, like go together. I forget the you know the Don't forget the (laughs) deal. Do the shit collectively. It's about a collective, right? And um I just I fucked up the ancestors mad. Don't send me to the ancestral plane. They're gonna beat my ass (laughs) 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 That you fucked up our (laughs) proverb. But but you know, you get what I'm saying though. Like um if you're You really need to question yourself and ask yourself, like, what are you doing this for? If, like, it's okay for certain black people to be, like, shot down in the street and for others to not. And so that's, when you say it's principle. like, that's what I think about. Like, the police shouldn't kill anyone. Like, that's the bottom, that's the black ass bottom line. That's it. Like, nobody should be dying in the street. And I think that that's, that's one thing that gets missed a lot with, Although I don't think like protesting is always the answer um, to like resistance, that's another thing. Like you can't tell Black women how to respond to their oppression. Right. Like if I want to fucking march, I'm a march in the street, right, and like right, you right. Te- you telling me who I can and can't march for is like you're taking away my autonomy as a Black woman. Right, right, like so, right. fuck you for that. Also. Um, but yeah, just just that. Like if if I'm if I'm marching because I fundamentally believe that police should not. Get away with or have the the weapons or the right, like exactly. opportunity to murder anybody in the fucking street. Then it doesn't it doesn't matter about a tweet. And I'm sure like you can dig up a tweet from 09 right? For, from anybody. From who, anybody. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that shit was ooh, e- problematic. And a, another thing, and it's going to be my last thing because I know you. No, gonna go say ahead. It, but like. Our understandings and conceptualizations of liberation are constantly, like, changing. I remember that. you. Know, I don't know if you were at that fusion where we were joking about what, what, like, the ancestors would be tweeting if they were still alive. I feel like I might vaguely remember that. <laughs> I think Harriet Tubman's was the funniest. Hashtag my feet hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, our, our ideas of what is possible... Changes with every victory and every yeah, loss in exactly. the, the fight for liberation. Exactly. I, I, like the possibility for liberation continues to grow and change. Right. It, so, just the,
1: like, kind of like related to that point, the thing that I think about is that we don't live in a neutral society. Yeah. Like, I think about it like, what is that old school? Um, the way that people used to listen to music through the Victrola, the thing that you had to like crank. Why do you know the name of that? It? it doesn't matter. But the point is, I that is like I said, we don't live in an ideologically neutral society, and it's not just that it's not neutral and like, oh, well, I can pick up some ideas from here, I can pick mm-hmm. up some ideas from there. There is like an ideological like apparatus that's pumping full stop doesn't take vacation doesn't take breaks doesn't go to lunch doesn't go to sleep (laughs) no days off no days off (laughs) kevin gates it don't get tired it it don't get tired (laughs) and so and i'm by no means is is this an excuse Mm -hmm. for the fucked up awful oppressive ideas that people have in society Mm -hmm. but the but my point is that Sadly, like, it's not surprising that people have, like, oppressive, fucked up ideas about society. Again, because that ideological machine is pumping day in and day out. Mm -hmm. So if we know that that's the case, then I think that the question is how, one, I mean, I think some people would disagree. But it's an important question to ask. Is like, do you think people's ideas can fundamentally change? Mm-hmm. And then the corollary to that, or the follow up to that, is like, if yes, then the question is how. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when it comes to like organizing or social justice, uh, people kind of approach it, ironically, the way that we do like standardized testing. It's like I'm gonna, you have to, I'm gonna see if you meet all the criteria. Meet up, you meet up, you know, see if you meet all the, you know if you've passed the test and then you enter. Right. But it's it's actually Mm -hmm. through it's actually through the course of struggle that people's ideas change. Change. Yes. Um like Mm -hmm. and I mean and that can happen in Mm -hmm. like a variety of ways. So Mm -hmm. whether there's like, Mm -hmm. you know, formal collective education happening Mm -hmm. or like I'm just thinking about like some of the experiences that I have. I'm even thinking about like our local um BLM there's um well I don't need to get into the details, but Mm -hmm. like I just, like, some, someone was like, they use some fucked up language, but they were trying to say that I don't have a problem with queer people because when you know a family member of mine that was a you know a victim of the state it was i realized it was queer people that were there right, for right, me for right them, yeah. and so that's mm-hmm. not you know that's not the same thing as having like a fully developed analysis of hetero patriarchy <laughs> but it's like i'm looking around where that shit where it's like yeah. i'm looking around and seeing yeah. like who's there mm-hmm. supporting me mm-hmm. and it's like okay i realize that like black queer women and other black que- queer queer mm-hmm. people are there and like then that becomes the entry point to right. be like okay it's not just that we're there mm-hmm. but like how do you understand the way that the people who are being in solidarity mm-hmm. with you how the same system that's affecting your family how is it affecting them but a little bit differently yeah. and again it's through the course of struggle, struggle right? that
0: people's ideas are like yeah. transformed and that's why um and then i also think that their struggle like that that you figure out within community and then there's like the right. resistance exactly. to like exactly. white supremacy um, that wants to see us all dead, right? right so, exactly. So when I think about marching or any kind of like mass mobilization of people, that's that's active resistance to white supremacy. Right. Everybody out there, I think Barbara said this in her talk. Like everybody out there might be out there for very different reasons, sure. right? So there's like, of course, internal stuff, and um, and we come to coalition because it will save our lives. Like right. it is a matter of life and death. Yeah. So. So, are there, like, hella, hella um, queer-phobic, patriarchal men out there sure. marching? Sure. But we that's an internal struggle that we should all be alive to have and do in we a room together. We should all be
1: alive to have. That's, <laughs> so, that's really that. Yeah. And just the last Thank thing, you. to invoke the queer ancestors.
0: Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: It just made <laughs> me think about that letter that James Baldwin wrote to Angela Davis, I think, when she was in prison. Mm-hmm. So, it's this really long, beautiful letter. And at the end, he's like, you know, the... You know, it's not the only reason, but like he, mm-hmm. I think it's like towards the end where he says, if they came for you last night, I'm going to support you because they're going to come, come for, for me, in me in the morning. morning. Yeah. And so I'm just like, mm-hmm. again, that's, that's why we get our asses out there. Yep. And so it's, we get our asses out there because they going to come for us next
0: mm-hmm. and
1: because we're fundamentally opposed to the bullshit. Right.
0: Okay. If you want to go fast. Go alone Thank you If you want to go far Go together I'm glad Cause we couldn't let that Be up on here Fucked up like Girl, that Girl you know mm. <laughs> What would T'Chaka Have said to me <laughs> Alright Okay
1: Actually I, I don't want To keep stealing Or blocking Your Black Panther joy
0: Exactly Don't be mad at me For trying to find joy In Trump's America oh. All right. So we want to get into the community contributors for the week, Nikita. Yes. Okay. So we got new patrons. Yeah,
1: we got new patrons. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. We have three times the patrons that we had on last episode.
0: This is like epic. Like that's an incredible growth in two weeks. So we just want to thank y'all for believing in us. Yeah. For supporting us. For putting your coin where your listens are.
1: I like that. Putting your coins where your listens are. All right, so our new patrons are Trina, Adam, Andre. Shout out to Andre. Yes. In the Child Care <laughs> Collective, making yeah. sure that movement spaces can be intergenerational yes. and a commitment to women's liberation because we mm-hmm. know that women are disproportionately Doing the tasked with care, care work. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Andre. Also, shout out to Christine. Shout out to the homies at Marsha's Plate. Plate. L- L- L. <laughs> and then, last but not least, Shout out to Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. So, that was... Again, we have six new patrons. Yeah, that's amazing. And we're getting real close to our patron goal. Mm -hmm. So, we need at least seven more patrons. Yeah. And we're just saying at the the lower level, Mm -hmm. commitment. Yeah, So, it could be even less if y'all just, you know... I was about to do it like the church folks do. If you just wanna reach down in your pockets and oh, let the spare go deeper. <laughs> but so just seven at mm-hmm. least seven more patrons. And we'll we will hit our goal. So that we can have merch. So we can
0: have merch. Yes. All right. And y'all know Nikita, so it's gonna be Union made I'm just saying <laughs> We be up here talking about socialism
1: yes. Capitalism right. Exploitation And then we find out we getting $3 shirts exactly Please. Because some 2 year old <laughs> Not a 2 year old Whose hands are probably pre-arthritic <laughs> From exploitation Not on my watch <laughs> Alright So again thank you to the new Patrons we, we got some comments. We implore you to get us to that goal. Yeah. And so what I'm gonna say right now is take a time out. Pause the episode. I know you're just like, oh my God, I wanna hear money in Nikita. I wanna Y'all gotta stay the, tuned for these curve But just go ahead. Ha- exactly. <laughs> so pause, get a drink of water, and go ahead and become a
0: patron. Just the just the lowest level. You ain't spending three dollars a month on nothing else anyway. Well, unless you're um <laughs> I know you told me not to do that acting Stop talking everything.
1: like that, for co- that for-profit college commercial. You're just sitting on your couch anyway. It's just so disappointing. You remember when Lil' Romeo did the ICDC college commercial? Wow. That's really a throwback. Is Lil' Romeo still alive? Yes. Okay. He's <laughs> our empire. Oh, that's neither here nor there. Let's show you how behind I am. Moving right along. So, we do have two Reviews. Five-star reviews on iTunes. And they read as follows.
0: Oh, my gosh. You are so animated when you do this. Because I... I it is. It, exactly. It's heartwarming. It's, it really is. Sometimes doing this show is like, it beats us down. It does. So, yeah. Because it's, you know, we love it. We love the show.
1: We love each other. And we love the community. But it's labor. Yeah. It's work. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And we got full-time jobs. Full-time. And, yeah. So, Kiki Oct 5 says... I found this podcast through Tea with Queen and Jade. Thanks! Um, and fell in love instantly. Aww. There's nothing I love more than listening to black women talk and Kiki together in their lives. I would give it 10 stars if I could. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is... That makes me feel so That good. is super sweet. Thank oh, you so much, I Kiki. I that. And the next one is from Har 2017. Pure fire. That's the title <laughs> of the comment. You already know it's finna
0: be lit after that. You put you pronounce fire like fire. I think I think the fire. It was fire. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> when somebody says pure fire, it's fire. Like all right. Forgive me. This
1: feels like a another New York thing, but I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna let it go. Anyway. Yeah. No, please let that die. Anyway. <laughs> pure fire. Loving this podcast. I've decided to become a Patreon supporter. Yes! There's not a lot of content like this, so I think it's important to support it. FYI, not safe for work, LOL. We not? We
0: use pretty oh, foul language on we, this year' program. Sometimes I'm really ashamed that my mommy listens.
1: Yeah. Like, I haven't even told my oh. mom about it just cuz I just she will <laughs> she will have a heart attack on sight. On <laughs> listen rather. Oh.
0: Anyway, so you know it's so funny. I I, I guess cuz of my work environment, I never think about people can not listen to the podcast at work.
1: I mean, that's how at my, well, I guess we'll get into that, but at my previous job, you know, we were pretty pretty loose. Yeah. But in real, wow.
0: I think I, yeah, I forget that people still work in these like in oppressive corporate environments yeah. or work around children.
1: Right. Oh yeah.
0: Strap-ons and dude. Deal- <laughs> wow. Damn. There goes another episode. <laughs>
1: There is someone I imagine somebody Working at a child care <laughs> facility <laughs> Tripping over tricycles And Legos And building blocks To hit the stop button Dang Anyway <laughs> Thank you so much Kiki And thank you uh, so much to Har. Follow their lead And give us a rating And review on iTunes Yes The more ratings and reviews That we get Particularly 5 Star That moves us up And it helps more people To find out about this Amazing stellar Top notch and oh, community right. That we've cr- created here mm-hmm. Ooh. All right, shall we move along?
0: Let's do it. You don't have a jingle.
1: It's okay. Wow, you just, what if I came up with one? You just, okay. I don't, I don't have sorry. one. Damn. Uh, exactly,
0: exactly. So why are you want to waste the time? All right, so. We didn't even introduce the segment. <laughs> I was about to do it. Well, day. I want to do it. Okay, go ahead. Ugh.
1: This is the mental moment with money. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. This is the
0: mental moment with money. Alright y'all, um, so this mental moment, I feel like I'm just be hitting y'all with facts, 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 no printer. I don't know why I'm referencing like all of the, the boys of the early 2000s, um, today, but I am. I just felt like an Omarion reference, um, but yeah, so this month is, uh, so April, I should say, is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, and I feel like we've been on this wave of sexual assault awareness year um, with, Truly. like, the Me-, Me Too movement and, like, all the incredible work that folks have been doing to sort of, um, like, highlight and amplify the narratives around this and also um, around, like, sex positivity and what it what it means to give consent and things like that. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about, like, sexual assault and how it relates to us. In the queer walk community, um, so first of all, the color for the for the month is teal, and that's what color my hair is currently. So you know, okay, it's like just in time, you know. Even though I'm about to change it quickly, because you know I can't keep I can't keep the same look for too long, because I'm a what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm just saying, get to the fact. Oh my gosh, I'm sitting I here. I can't really. I'm sorry, this, I didn't mean to. Stop you can't you. tell me what my segment is about, okay? Ooh. Ooh. Anyway, like I was saying, my hair is teal right now. Check the Instagram. Um, <laughs> so that's the color for sexual violence and sexual assault awareness. So if you see, like, the teal ribbons around, know that that's what that's for. See, I had a point. Now be quiet and wait for your segment. Um, sorry. You will, I will not be silent. You will not have it told? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just wanted to give, you know, like a little bit of, um, facts and stuff about sexual violence and sexual assault. Um, and I'm not gonna, I guess I'm not gonna be graphic. I'm just gonna give like statistics. So for those of you who are clutching your pearls right now, or like feeling like, am I going to be triggered? I would encourage you to go back and look at some of my, uh, my grounding and like anxiety countdown, uh, mental moments to work through that um tension in the moment. Uh and to also like try to find somebody to talk to about that. Uh I was about to say girl. Yeah. So one in two women have experienced sexual violence other than rape in their lifetime. And uh these statistics I'm reading are from the National Society for the National Sexual Violence and Rape uh Crisis Center. Um and I hate to have to say this, but when you think about these statistics, just think about them as being, like, worse for queer folks yeah. and for folks of color. Um, it sucks uh, that that's how it is, but, I mean, if we just think about, like, the very recent history of um, just even, like, rape laws and what it meant to be sexually assaulted as mm-hmm. a black woman and, like, like literally the laws excluding us, like, it was, it was not... Like, It was not against the law to rape a black woman. Um, And so, like, all of those things, like, we still live in sort of, like, the aftermath of Mm -hmm. this stuff. Um, And, yeah, so uh, fewer than 5% of um, rapes against college-age women um, were reported to law enforcement. And um, for those of y'all who uh, know about like those fewer than 5% that actually like get reported, even fewer than that goes to trial and even fewer than that actually uh, serves any kind of time or get convicted. Not to say that that uh, means anything because, you know, uh, prison abolition, 2K forever over here, but it does send a clear message of what we think about like women and Folks who experience rape, when like people who commit rape don't get um like some sort of rehabilitation right. or convictions among college age women, and I don't know I don't know what that means when people put that in research studies. So I'm get I'm guessing it's like eighteen to twenty four. That's yeah. Um, nine out of ten. Um. Victims of sexual assault know the person who sexually assaulted them. Mm. So I think I wanted to read this statistic specifically because we always think about, like, sexual assault or sexual violence coming from this, like, uh, deranged stranger that, like, hops out of the bushes. But so often it's, like, intimate people. Like, right, people that right, we right. know, uh, folks we go on dates with. Um. The Black Joy Mixtape did, I think, like, a whole episode on this. But, but like, the people who... Um, like sexual sexually assault and harm black women and girls uh are the people who are in our lives already right um and so 9 out of 10 survivors already knew their attackers yeah um and so and so then i wanted to read so actually blavity posted uh this article around this time last year about like the impact of sexual assault on black women and lgbt folks um, and so I just wanted to I guess like read some takeaways from uh, their analysis. So they surveyed a little over seventy thousand folks uh across colleges um for like three years, right? And what they found that was that black trans individuals had higher odds of sexual assault than like basically any other population. Jeez. And that also is not shocking uh knowing what we know about um like the violence against black trans women. Um, right. and it, I don't know it's like pretty sad like I don't I don't know any trans women of color on campus here mm. and so I even think about like higher education spaces as like violent um, and like right. getting there and accessing it in that way and then to only be like sexually assaulted Um, so bisexual um women had higher odds of sexual assault than heterosexual women um, I think we could, like, hypothesize about why that is. I think people who identify as, like, um, what is it? <laughs> what did we say? Mono, not monosexual. Yeah. It's, so, like, not straight or gay. Right. Um, get, like, weirdly over-sexualized by both yeah. groups. Um, and so it's, like, you just down for whatever. And then they end up really being, like, having their boundaries violated. Yeah, and, like, definitely. people don't ask for their consent. Which is really fucked up. Um, black women had higher chances of sexual assault than white, Latino, and Asian women. Uh, I mean, that's just the black ass bottom line. I <laughs> feel Like, statistics are just, suck when it comes to us. So, trans folks were nearly 300% more likely to be sexually assaulted than cisgender men. Uh so those are some of the like dismal statistics about sexual assault and how they impact our communities. I wish I had like a solve for this of like what can you do about it? Mm-hmm. I think Nikita kicked us off really great with uh the conversation around consent on whole body experience. Oh, right. If you want to check out that episode. Um but I guess I also want to say that it's not on us. <laughs> like there's I know A lot of this data is um, like based around like college age students. And I don't know if this is happening on campuses on your campus, because I know that it is a national campaign. But there's a campaign called It's On Us. And it's all about like empowered bystanders. And if you see something, say something, approach to sexual assault. And while that is like interpersonally helpful, like, yeah, like you shouldn't be standing by while somebody is assaulted. Um, it actually doesn't get at like how universities cover up and mm-hmm. are complicit in exactly. um, like skewing uh, rape and sexual assault data. It doesn't get at at all like the lack of services Resources for folks who are sexually yep. assaulted. Um, it doesn't do anything to, um, like, add money into mental health services yep. or, um, like, any of that stuff. You know, like, the Rape Crisis Center at SU was closed a few years ago and we still don't, right. like, have uh, a space. You know, they're, they're really, like, I feel like it it, um, it actually ends up, like, taking advantage of students who are passionate about, like, sexual assault issues because most folks don't just like you said like it comes out of struggle so most folks aren't just like inherently passionate about sexual assault and making sure that everybody knows about consent a lot of people come to this because they are either survivors they know survivors something happened and so you take these like first year students and undergrads and like train them to respond to folks who have been sexually assaulted and i just think that um Universities with million dollars in endowments, like, they they can actually provide the resources yeah, exactly. and send a clear, like, zero-tolerance, don't-rape message on campuses as opposed to empowered bystander.
1: I mean, so. that's what... I mean, I think your last point is actually really important and it's, like, why even the it's-on-us whole bystander bullshit doesn't even work at the interpersonal mm-hmm. level. It's, like, it also makes it seem as if, like, because some empowered bystander didn't intervene, intervene and it's yeah. the it's the quote unquote bystanders mm-hmm. fault. When well, you just said it it's like stop raping. Yeah. Let's yeah. Th- let's be explicit and very clear about, mm-hmm. you know what consent is, exactly. what it's not. And it's yeah. like this whole thing about empowered bystander it's like it doesn't wanna um look, there there are people who are raping. Yes. And they mm-hmm. have to
0: stop doing that. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so Yeah. Yeah. Um And so I I also wanted to give like a huge shout out to Roxanne Gay. In this mental moment. Um, so I guess like to bring it back up, right? Because I think it gets really heavy when you start talking about the statistics and yeah. all of that. Um, with raising awareness. But to bring it back up. A, a resource for you all. So Roxanne Gay, first of all, is a resource. So um, for those of you who don't know, she's just a black queer baddie who um, yep. just like fucks it up on all fronts. I don't know how else to say that. Like she that shit. Um, follow her on Twitter if you're not already. At rgay. The trolls really be, like, trying they her. They be really
1: trying to come for her.
0: And, you know, I, I was just telling Nikita before we started this, like, I think there's a particular way that people come for, um, like, black queer women who are, like, of any kind of size. Like, even if you just curvy. But don't don't be a big girl. Right. Like, the way people think that it's okay to talk to you, like, is disgusting. But she's an incredible um, author. Mm-hmm. Professor. Mm-hmm. So she teaches at Purdue. Speaker. If you haven't checked out her TED Talk, you should check it out. Troll destroyer. Um, troll de- destroyer of trolls. Yeah. Yes. Um. And she wrote this book called Bad Feminists. And uh, so for those of you who don't know about Bad Feminists, because it was on the New York Times bestseller, so I think a lot of people did know about it. Yeah. But it is just an incredible collection of essays about really, um, like doing feminism in real life. Like, uh, I think it's, it's you know, it's real. I, th- I talk about, like, being woker than thou all the time. Like, it's real easy to sit in the theory of it and yeah. say, like, what you would do. But then when you put in positions in real life, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, And that's it. So this book is like a collection of her essays across, like, these instances where her feminism is tested, basically. And she has a lot of essays in there. That, like, that circle around, like, issues or um, instances pertaining to, like, sexual assault, um, sexual violence, that, like, make you feel like surviving is possible. Mm. And I just fucking love it yeah. like like you know i think y'all y'all know I, i'm into narrative therapy i love i i consider myself a narrative therapist we are the stories we tell about ourselves and so often in those moments where your power is like taken away from you your your choice to say no is taken from you um you feel like your identity has been stripped away as well <laughs> and And her <laughs> don't shake your head at me. Um, you know, I just try to lighten it because, you know, stuff gets heavy. yeah, but, um, like her essays really like, like re embody that that you you still are whole. Yeah, you still wow. are like possible and powerful. um, and that survival can happen. So, um, yeah, I suggest reading Bad Feminist this month if you haven't already. And if you already have, read it again. Because the shit is always timely. Always relevant, Uh, always timely. So, yeah, that's my mental moment. Thank you. That Mm -hmm. was so good, so necessary, and so helpful. You're welcome. And I'm also trying to start a teen girls group, so y'all wish me luck on that. Oh, my God, you don't need any luck.
1: It's just going to be phenomenal.
0: I hope so. It
1: will be. I know it.
0: Yeah.
1: If, If it's even one iota of what the mental moment is, I mean, it'll whatever, whatever room you'll be in, someone call nine one one because it's gonna, it's gonna explode.
0: <laughs> Cause you know, I just always imagine like, what if when I was like fourteen, I would have had a, a black gay therapist with blue hair. Yeah, you know? exactly. So that's my mental moment. <laughs> All right, Nikita. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Come through with the word. <laughs>
1: Practicing, practicing. Tr- that was cute. You tried. I tried. Yeah. Okay. I liked where it was going. It had potential to go a little further, but I think that's a good start. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, the standard has been set. Why are you critiquing my I'm sorry. Attempt- I appreciated you know the spirit of it.
0: You know what? But
1: the execution was meh. Do your little segment. <laughs> Why has it gotta be little? She's sitting over here with purse lips. <laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by... Worker centers. centers. That's good. We've been... I feel good. I always feel like you're going to hurt me if I don't get it right. So I really try to say it
0: in unison. you stop? You make it sound like I abuse you. Okay. (laughs) I do not. I will stop if this is what the demand (laughs) is on me.
1: All right. So, um... I decided to do worker centers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about it intermittently throughout the show, and it's a little bit sad, um, but I um, am no longer staff mm-hmm. at uh, the worker center uh, here um, in Central New York. I'm still definitely going to be um, involved in the organization, and it's really meant a lot to me, and its it has easily been one of the things that has shaped me and sharpened me um, as an organizer. So I just really wanted to take some time to talk about, um, basically, this is just going to be um, a segment where I just really big up and reflect and just, you know, shout out to the motherfucking organization, the Workers' Center of Central New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Like, I know that it's not just been inspiring and really important to me, but to particularly to other um, organizers of color here yeah. um, in Syracuse. But just a little um, briefly, there's there's a book called Poor Workers Unions, but they've got a, a chapter in this book called Poor Workers Unions: Rebuilding Labor from Below, and it is by uh, Vanessa Tate. And in one of the sections of the book, she get, she gives kind of an in depth history about like the history of um, worker centers. So. Most people who are familiar with worker centers know that worker centers have particularly gotten their zenith within like the past 10 years. But what the,
0: what the hell is this? It's like the high zenith.
1: point. Oh, okay. Um, but they've actually been around since. Um, the seventies and some of the sorry now you have me self conscious about my I'm
0: sorry my vocab
1: because should... I was about to say with the progenitors of the <laughs> worker center the movement what? like the four people okay I need um, to write
0: this word down That's so a good there's word. Group,
1: it was like black folks black workers Put in, that like in North my Carolina
0: progenitors
1: <laughs> I'm done with you uh, particularly like black workers in North Carolina and South Carolina and um, Chinese workers and so. There was this period in like the 70s and 80s. That's when some of the first worker centers um, got started. And one of the things I appreciated about that book was when they're talking um, about the um, the Chinese worker center. I think it's, I can't remember. Um, so one of the interesting things about that um, chapter is that they were saying that the workers that they were organizing... Chinese Workers' Worker Center, there's all these interesting, like, contradictions and, like, opponents that they were facing. So there was, like, um, not just, like, you know, racist politicians that were, like, anti-Chinese, but also coming up against some of the Chinese employers who were treating, not treating their workers right. So, yeah, there's that, the beginning, like, the 70s and the 80s, and then, um, specifically, Um, Again, the Zenith, again, in the early um, 2000s. So the whole point, or one of the big things about worker centers is that they came about, because it's really, they're filling the gap that unions, for a lot of different reasons, some structural, and also some of, like, honestly, like the unions fall, have, like, failed to organize certain groups of workers. And a lot of the workers um, that are members of worker centers are particularly, like, immigrant workers. And so the... And they're particularly working with workers, like I've mentioned with our organization at the Worker Center of Central New York, who've been excluded from basic labor protection, mm-hmm. so like agricultural workers and um, domestic workers. But there's also other workers, like a lot of worker centers organize con- construction workers, mm-hmm. um, day laborers, Factory and restaurant workers. workers. Mm-hmm. And even, yes, yeah, so there's some really amazing uh, like the dairy. poultry workers mm-hmm. that they're also um, organizing. And so some of the things... That, um, I feel like are important to um, point out. And so, well, before I get to there, the reason why it's not a coincidence that it's, you know, a lot of like immigrant workers and um, there's also um, some black worker centers in the country is that we know because like because of the structural factors that lead, you know, black and brown folks to, to be um, pushed into certain kinds of work where there's that you know that are they're not organized they don't have you know really good or any you know benefits mm-hmm. or it's low wage it's a lot of low wage work and in the case particularly of immigrant workers is that there's we see that em, uh, employers try to use people's immigration status against them to mm-hmm. keep them from organizing mm-hmm. to have better you know conditions um in the workplace. So some of the things that worker centers have been particularly sharp at is um, on fighting cases of wage theft. And so what we talk about when we talk about wage theft is it's just what the term exactly means. It means that your wages have been stolen from you. And something I've said on this um, show before is that if you were to be a cashier and you started taking money out of the drawer... Mm-hmm nobody would question that you stole from the employer. Right. Right. But wage theft, which is illegal, you know, and it's really a systematic and I'll get into some of the numbers in a second, but it basically refers to flat out not paying somebody um, their, you know, the wages that they're owed. So it can happen in a number of ways. So it means that You don't pay overtime. So let's say you work 60 hours. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to get time and a half for that 40 hours, Mm -hmm. but you don't get that. It means that they're paying you below the minimum wage, or it means that you're being forced to work through – you're forced to work off the clock. And then there's also these things around um, uh, misclassifying workers. So saying that somebody is, like, a manager or an independent contractor, and then you don't have to pay them, you know – The minimum wage, or it's just flat out not Mm -hmm. paying them at all, and we often—that's what
0: Uber got sued for. For what? They classified all their drivers as independent contractors. Exactly.
1: Or like what we see often is not paying workers um, their final paycheck, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, five hundred dollar is if it's you know if you're a low wage worker and you're supporting not just yourself but your family, Mm -hmm. but the reality is that. For like lawyers, for like a like a, a labor lawyer, then like that's the reality that they don't. That's not that's not a lot for them, right? right? right. But again, it's a lot to like a family member, right? Or somebody who's supporting their family, and so well. Uh,
0: that's where y'all come in. And so
1: what worker centers are particularly really good at, and what we always stress here, is that it's about doing actions and fighting um, collectively, even if your workplace doesn't have a union. So some of the things that we've done, and I mean, what other worker centers are really, really good and sharp at doing is confronting employers who've stolen the wages from workers. And one of the things that we do is that, you know, we'll get workers in a room to say, hey, how much are you missing? Have you talked to other workers? Because usually what we have found is that in these workplaces, it's usually not an accident. Or it's just like a one-off mm-hmm. kind of thing. Usually there's like systematic wage theft um, that we've been seeing um, or that people um, in this kind of work see. And so you write a demand letter. And something that, again, it's important, especially in um, places like New York, we have pretty good and pretty strong wage theft protection laws. And so we'll say, hey, look, you owe this worker you know, this group of workers, $500, $1,000, $2,000. You write a demand letter, and then you go to the employer, and you go, and again, this is the important part, is that you get the workers who, you know, who experienced the wage theft, and then you get other allies and supporters in the mm-hmm. community deliver a, a demand letter. And quite honestly, when we've done that, like... It works. We <laughs> usually... I mean, the I think the longest in the, in the amount of time that I was at the worker center, I think it usually takes, like, maybe the longest, like, five days or a week. In some cases, we've gotten the money, like, overnight. Mm-hmm. And the reality mm-hmm. is that most employers are just not used to workers standing right. up and showing any yeah. kind of, like, any kind of organized mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. And they're so used to getting away with it that, and it's and it's, and the reality is, especially if it's, like, these, a lot of, like, um, Farms or um, restaurants or other places like that. They're they're so used to not being confronted, and they know that it'll just be bad that they're just like, okay, what can we do? Yeah. And sometimes they'll start. Mm-hmm. Doing, oh, I didn't. You know. Um, well, that person was lazy. They didn't work hard anyway. Or they come up first. They come up with a whole bunch of excuses about why they couldn't pay, why they shouldn't pay, and then you're like, oh, well, actually, and you write and you make it very clear in the letter that it's like this is against the law. Yeah. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And, you know, a lot of times they're saying, like, racist and fucked up things, you know, about the workers. But even if that stuff was true, the reality is that it's like what you're doing is against the law. And then you show them the law. And they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, let's try to work something out. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, then it Mm -hmm. moves that, you know, the workers in a position of power to be Mm -hmm. like, look, you stole something Mm -hmm. from me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're fighting to get something back. And so I've mentioned this. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. And so we always stress, you know fighting in numbers, but one of the important things around, like, the labor law is that there's a section, it's called Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Board, and there's this thing called concerted, protected concerted activity. I mean, unfortunately, um, farm workers are excluded, but most other workers, you don't have to have a union in your workplace. And what Section 7 says is that if you, um, if at least two workers, or if it's one worker working on behalf of other workers who are who are who want to confront their employer about the about anything related to the conditions of the workplace, whether it's health and safety, whether it's in terms of wages or something else, it means that you're protected in that in that in, in that activity. So if I confront my boss, it doesn't mean that the boss now, now unless we're talking about wage theft, where that is against the law, mm-hmm. but if two workers or at least two workers get together and say, hey, you know, we want to raise doesn't mean that the boss has to give it to you, but it means that you can't be subjected to so any kind can't of be brutality. Fired because yeah, of, right. And you and you can, and that that doesn't mean that the boss won't try to fire you, mm-hmm. and they often do. But it means that you're protected right. from that. So I say all that to say, and that I mean that piece of information is important for all workers, but worker centers have been particularly you know sharp at using that law. And what you know I learned. Um, from our organization, um, the Worker Center of Central New York, is that we say that we use those laws as a shield, right? The, so it's like that's what you use to um, protect yourself when you're fighting for mm-hmm, better mm-hmm. conditions um, in the workplace. And so, just something that is also important um, about the Worker Centers is that they're, um, they're membership based organizations and it was a few episodes ago we talked about the difference between organizing and advocacy Mm -hmm. and so advocate so i mean to be fair we do do a fair amount of advocacy but the most important thing is that those who are the most who are most directly impacted by the issues are the ones who need to be leading the campaigns Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um around the issues that, that are directly impacting them so so some of the things that like we've done This is so before I got to the um, organization, um, and the Workers' Center of Central New York does a lot of organizing um, around agriculture workers, particularly uh, dairy farm workers here in upstate New York. And so in upstate New York, um, well, in New York, OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety and Health uh, Act, they don't have jurisdiction. So OSHA just um, enforces health and safety. Law and make sh- make sure that workplaces are um, safe and don't have any hazards. And then you know if there if those hazards are found, then you know you know employers are often fined or that kind of thing. So in New York, um, uh, there's about ninety percent of small farms um, have less than eleven workers. And unfortunately, OSHA has no jurisdiction on farms where there's less than eleven workers. And so. There's rampant what? health and safety violations that happen, and OSHA has no jurisdiction to, like, go on to those I'm farms. I'm just thinking
0: about these fuck-ass owners that will, like, separate the farm, you know, and be like, oh, so, this is Sally's farm, this is Susan's farm, and this is Becky's farm. So, but farm. what the
1: idea is, because what I've especially learned is that there, we really have these romantic, idealized, I, you know notions about what we think farms are so the mm-hmm. idea is that if there's less than 11 workers then it's usually like a family farm mm-hmm. family owned farm and th- and that's not the case there's mm-hmm. a number of uh immigrant workers working on small farms and large farms mm-hmm. and so it's something that our organization um did and um it had members so members of our organization and farm workers actually met with the um and organizers from our organization met with uh, the staff of Ocean, And they told their They gave testimony And they shared, those, shared their stories About the really egregious Health and safety violations mm-hmm. That were happening um, on the farm And so shout out to uh, My co- Well I guess Oh god it's so sad My former co-workers yeah. But always <laughs> comrade uh, Rebecca Fuentes and Carly Fox And they were just like up And literally in the wee hours of the night um, and they found something called a local emphasis program. And basically, the local emphasis program is um, it em- it emphasizes like a local industry um, where there's like where there's issues around um, health and safety in the mm-hmm. workplace. And it was through again members of the organization, actual farm workers. So it wasn't just. Um, Carly and Rebecca although they did a tremendous Amount of work but you know they you know, Developed the leadership of the people Who were most directly, Im- directly impacted, impacted. Yeah. And then you know th- because Of them and because of the members and because Of like really great organizers They were able to win a local emphasis program On the dairy farms in upstate New York and um, And so a lot of the Things that we do um, like I said wage Theft but also there's a lot of work on um, Health and safety and so, the last um, little example that I want to give is that my other coworker, uh, Crispin Hernandez, um, he's actually a plaintiff on a lawsuit mm-hmm. against New York State saying that um, farm workers should not be excluded from the protected mm-hmm. right to organize. And the reason, the only reason why, you know, we were able to, so he's listed as a plaintiff, Worker Center of Central New York and the Worker Justice Center of New York are listed as plaintiffs on that, on that lawsuit because Chris Bean and another, uh, his coworker, Saul, were meeting with my coworker, Rebecca, because they were wanted to, they wanted to form a health and safety committee. Mm -hmm. So that's something Mm -hmm. else. That you know, worker centers are do a lot of work around making sure that workers know what their rights are in terms of health and safety. But again, not just about education, but action. How do you? So the purpose of a safety, health, and safety committee is um, again making sure that workers know what their rights are in terms of health and safety, and figuring out concrete strategies and tactics to address health and safety violations in the workplace. So. Uh, Rebecca was doing outreach um, at one of the farms and Crispian and Saul were meeting with her. To, they became members of the organization. You know, they wanted to do um, they wanted to learn more about health and safety in the workplace. They were trying to form a health and safety committee. They were also talking about um, wanting to start up English classes. Mm-hmm. And so they were they were able to do this. Mm-hmm. And so, again, employers try to intimidate workers, particularly immigrant workers, all the time. And so they were also going door to door. At one point, they were going door to door because uh, one of the interesting things or an important thing to know about farm uh, employers is that they provide housing to, yeah. to the workers. I mean, that's a whole separate issue on how right. egregious right. and uninhabitable that housing often is. But because they... And, I mean, just think about that kind of scenario. Most Where of your us... your
0: boss owns your apartment. So your boss yes. is your landlord.
1: Yeah. And these are places in um, upstate New York. It's not right. no fucking exactly. public transportation. Yeah. And yeah. it's mostly, you know, these are small, rural towns, mostly white, very conservative. Mm-hmm. And think about the immigration climate mm-hmm. that we're living in. Like something that we always say is that, you know, there's certainly been an uptick in immigration enforcement since Trump. But the, you know, the the detention yeah. and their profiling of immigrants in upstate New York is unfortunately not new. And that mm-hmm. was happening under Obama. But one of the things that so I, I mentioned the point about the housing, because there's this opinion from the attorney general, because because the farm owner provides housing. The employers often try to restrict who's able to come in and see mm-hmm, the workers. Mm-hmm. But there's a, an opinion from the New York Attorney General that says that you're able farm workers are able to have visitors come freely, as they, you know, as as long as you know whoever's visiting, you know, the people want them to be there. So they were going because around, it's your house. <laughs> right? So they were going around. Crispin and Saul were going around telling other workers that hey, like we can't restrict. Mm-hmm. The farm owner doesn't have a right to restrict. Who's coming to our house, right? And um, just backing up in terms of like health and safety, one of the things that Crispine always shares is that. Um what was happening at that farm, which is a violation, is that the employer was selling the personal protective equipment in terms of gloves. And, like, you're not supposed to do that. And so, of course, a lot of the workers weren't using the gloves because it's like, I'm not going to fucking spend mm-hmm. my money on that. And so Crispine would often talk about how they had no idea what chemicals that they were using. But he knew and other co-workers that their fingernails would be turning turning yellow, and, you know, because of God knows what chemicals um. That they were working with, so Crispina Saul um, actually get fired, and when they ask what what happened, you know, they ask the employer, you know, why are we fired? They're, and so this is a farm that has sixty five workers, mm-hmm. and they said they chalked it up to layoffs, and it's like you two? just you just laid off <laughs> two workers. And it just happened to be the two workers who are talking to their co-workers about what their rights are, um, meeting with an organizer mm-hmm. from the Worker Center of Central mm-hmm. New York, right? And so it's like, that's actually, you know, mm-hmm. really fucked up. And so something that, um, and so again, they were meeting with, you know, Rebecca from um, the Worker Center, but it was them that was like going door to door, talking mm-hmm. to their co-workers. And then... And one of the um, stories that Rebecca tells that I think really, um, you know, it's really a testament to, like, what a good organizer that she is and, like, the worker center and worker centers broadly is that at one of the meetings, the farm owner called the cop, called the state police to, like, break up a meeting. And, you know, Rebecca's like, oh, God, like, I need to go. And so, but then, so I think the first time that happened, because it happened, I think at least twice. The first time that the police were called, she was like, "Okay, um, I don't want to like cause any problems or I don't I don't want to cause any trouble." And then the second time, you know, this is also her like you know be, developing and like sharpening as a as an organizer. She says she asked them like, "Do you want to? Do you all want me to be here?" And they said yes. Mm-hmm. And so I think something about that is. The thing I want to point out there is that so often, especially when we're talking about um immigrant workers or really oppressed and vulnerable workers is like they can't they can't do anything mm-hmm. right It's just like too scary the stakes are too high mm-hmm. and the and the stakes are high mm-hmm. right I don't want to like diminish that mm-hmm. in any way, but in that instance where like they, they were like organizers and you know workers were being like intimidated they were mm-hmm. like no, and you know because they knew the you know the opinion of the attorney general they're like we have. Like, it's okay to be here. She's our guest, and we want her here, and we're not going to be deterred from mm-hmm. organizing. And, again, I think there's, like, especially something I find—I'm uh, sorry, I'm about to be a little petty— is that like, among academics, they just think, oh, everything's too risky. We're going to get people yeah, in trouble. Yep, and it's like, yep. no. Like, they were—you mm-hmm. know, they had met, and they had decided mm-hmm. that this is something that they right. wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they get fired, and then—and so that happens— in, like, 2015, and then in 2016, that's when we have the, um, is it 2016? Yeah, it's either 2000, oh, God, all the days are running together, or the years, but then that's when we have the lawsuit because and because farm workers are excluded from the protected right to organize crispine even mm-hmm. even though that law didn't exist mm-hmm. there's no protected right to organize uh, for farm workers crispine and Saul, mm-hmm. you know with the with the support and like the leadership development of the worker center still organized mm-hmm. and so something that we always say when we talk about that is that so this is one Avenue the legal strategy but it's like it's through the organizing where they're you know That was the work that was really crucial to making sure that, you know, when, you know, I think that we will eventually win the protected right to organize. It's not a coincidence that it was from, like, the direct organizing of farm workers, you know, like Crispine. that's, like, why, you know, hopefully, you know, when we win, you know, that that Mm -hmm. will come. It's not because, like, a group of lawyers got in a room and and said, this "Hmm, is something that we need to fight about. Right. Right. It was through, you know, people experiencing the brunt of not having the protected right to organize where they were like, oh.
0: Yeah, like
1: some something's got to be done about. This. And
0: why I always think it's so badass that like you're in that space. Well, you were a part of that space and like in it is that like anti black racism is the reason why like the these aren't like exactly. protective jobs in exactly. the first place. Exactly. Like, who who was doing what? Did they say on Blackish the like involuntary gardening of this country, exactly of this country for over four hundred years? Um, yeah. So. And just the last thing,
1: um, so I've talked a lot about, like, the workers' rights piece that a lot of worker centers um, do, particularly, like, our organization, but because... You know, a lot of the workers that are members of worker centers are immigrant workers. There's also a lot, a tremendous amount of work that's done around immigrant rights. Mm -hmm. And just the point that I want to, like, keep underscoring here is that through a lot of the campaigns that we've done around, like, people fighting deportation, fighting detentions and that kind of thing is that, so, yes, you know, people have lawyers. But, again, it's always about, like, the person. And this shit is really difficult and it's really scary. But it's always really inspiring and, you know, it's been a real privilege to work with uh, the members of our organization who, even though they're facing, like, uh, deportation, like, they're the ones leading their ca- the campaigns. They're the ones, like, speaking up, mm-hmm. you know, to media, telling their stories, saying that what's happening, you know, to me is totally unfair and unjust, and it shouldn't be happening, you know, to mm-hmm. other people. So I'm thinking about our members like Aureli, you know, and Dolores, mm-hmm. who, you know, Two amazing um, women, like immigrant leader women who are part of the Worker Center of Central New York, you know, who've been, you know, even at the threat of being like ripped away from their families. Yeah. They're still like speaking out and like still like, speaking on panels and, you know, cooking amazing, delicious mm-hmm. ass <laughs> food for, for fundraisers to raise um, the funds that they need for like legal um funds and legal expenses and for like their basic you know survival expenses and that kind of thing because it's like it's again you could just have a lawyer lead your individual case you know you could just do that privately by yourself but it's like it's through the you know being public and sharing your story and speaking out it's like that's when you like get it not only get a sense of your own power but most importantly like that's when that's those are the things that actually send, uh, you know, a message to, you know, Border Patrol and Mm -hmm, ICE mm -hmm. in this region to say that you're just not going to, you know, you're not going to, like, ruin communities and ruin families and people not, like, speak up. Right, right. That's just, like, a little bit about, (laughs) you know, the Worker Center of Central New York in particular, but just uh, about some of their really amazing uh, Worker Center um, organizing that I think is... You know, it's like, it's a reflection of that, the work that's happening across, um, the The country. country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. You gonna break out into a
0: hymn? No. All right. So we're gonna move it on along to the topic. Uh Uh-huh. Which is? I'm tired. We both so (laughs)
1: fucking tired so
0: tired. Oh, God. Like, I don't think... Where do I even start? Like, I'm just tired. Yeah. So, tell tell me why you tired. <sighs>
1: wow. Um, I mean, so, my last, like, official day uh, was on Friday. And, I mean, like, I was just extending from, like, the, the last segment. It's, like, we've just been... Going like full mm-hmm. stop, mm-hmm. especially around like the immigration stuff. It's just been, um, I mean, it's been totally like relentless, not mm-hmm. just like do- enduring like a whole bunch of, you know, excuse me, labor, like physical, but it's also like, I mean, on some of us, sometimes I feel a little fucked up because I'm just like, Like, I'm not the one who's about to be separated from my family, but it's, like, these are people that I love and I care about and I know them, and it's, Mm -hmm. like, that shit really, like, takes a toll. And it's, It's, like, when you're on, when you're, like, go, 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 go more, you're just not thinking about it. But every now and then, like, these moments, um, you're just, like, oh, my fucking God, like, this, it'll just, like, hit me out of Mm -hmm. nowhere. I'm just, like, holy shit. Mm
0: -hmm. Like,
1: you know, there's a lot happening.
0: I'm not trying to therapize you in any way, but, um, like, learning about... Neighborhood trauma and also being a marriage and family therapist and knowing that things are um, relational and systemic. That when you remove one person from a community, you impact a community. You don't just impact that one person. Um, And then there's also, like, vicarious pain, vicarious trauma where you're in, like, relation to these folks and you take it on. Yeah. So. It's fatiguing. That's a lot. What about you? Mm, uh, I feel like petty bullshit in comparison to that. No, not at all. You know, um, it's just really fucking hard out here. You know, I've been trying to get licensed for almost a year now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) New York State says I don't have the education to be licensed, (laughs) which is like... I'm laughing because, like... (laughs) You've been in school your whole life. (laughs) All all my life I've been in school. My mama used to say that she, like, dropped me off at pre-K and I never came back. That's accurate. That's all I've done is school. Um, Well, I won't say that because I think a lot of times I undervalue, like, how much I have done in my short time on this planet. But, um... If I'm accomplished nowhere else, it's in fucking education. Right. Um, but, so then, you know, so there's that, so, you know, I, I kind of feel, like, bad that I, well, no, like, I, I held back, like, in celebrating that I have you know, become a doctoral candidate, uh, and now I feel like, well, damn, I'm glad I did, because I'm probably gonna have to take a class, nope, not probably, I am gonna have to take a class, yeah um, to get the... These quote unquote educational requirements that New York State says I need to have. So, yeah, I'm really, really tired of that. I am tired of Syracuse's weather. Oh my it's fucking. It's snowing. Like, yeah. And it's April. Which is so offensive. Yeah. Um... <laughs> we the April Fools because we thought it was nah, gonna okay. be spring, but right. uh, winter was like, "Bit you thought?" There's just been a lot and nothing, so I'm just really tired. And and I've been thinking a lot about like how alone I am in life. Like being sick will prove that, like mm-hmm. like nothing else. So I have, <laughs> so I had to move my car because it was alternate side of the street parking, and I swear it took like every every ounce of energy in me to like put on enough clothes to go out into, in, the, winter into the winter that should be gone <laughs> and and change my car from one side of the street to the other yeah. cuz yesterday like i was i mean any smell of any kind of food yeah. was just making me I personally like, witnessed heave. this and and i'm just like i really got to get up out of this state to go move my damn car. Because there's like nobody here to move it right, for me. Right, I could, right. I mean, I could look at Riri all day, but she ain't gonna get up and move my car. Riri's my Not cat. Not yet. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, so i just been um, tired. And also, nobody told me that life was gonna be like this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so, I'm feeling, I guess, like some of that. So, how... How have you been able to rest up or in what ways do you restore or replenish?
1: You know, I think a lot about this, which is probably about all I do about it. But I think the thing that I'm realizing is that for me, it's not... I mean, it is about replenishing and restoring, but it's like, how can I... I feel like I've been like perpetually like overcommitted. Mm-hmm. And so it's not... You know, a lot of times when people talk about, you know, this kind of stuff, they'll say, oh, it's important to learn how to say no. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is a piece of it. But I think the thing for me, the things that make me feel replenished, honestly, are doing the things that I need to do for myself and being honest about what I can do for um, the other commitments that I have. And so, like, following through on things, like, feels good for mm-hmm. me. Because it means, it doesn't mean, because, I mean, one, like, I just, it, I think a lot of us just feel good when we finish things that mm-hmm. we've committed to. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, making me think about, okay, like, what does it mean to actually say yes to do something? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. and not just, like, flippantly saying it, but it's like, oh, well, it means it's going to require, like, you know, five hours of your week or ten yeah. hours um, of the week. So just, like, follow through, consistency, and... I, don't know, I know that this tends to be, like, a dirty word and people feel different different ways about it, but I feel like I need, like, the only way I'm realizing I can get to that kind of, like, follow through and the consistency, because that really does make me feel good, is, like, like discipline. Like, being disciplined about cooking for mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. and, like r- like, getting to bed at, like, a decent hour right. or... I don't know, just like planning. Mm-hmm. And so I like, I feel like when I do those things, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like having some sense of control when I'm in control you yeah. of the things that mm-hmm. I need to do to make me feel good. And when I'm showing up and doing the things that I've like committed to do, like that, that actually makes me right. feel, uh, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like I used to just think, oh my God, I need a break. I need to quit everything. And right, it's like, right. it's like actually just being a lot more thoughtful mm-hmm. about the, t- the time that goes into things. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I don't know, like just trying to be better about that and not feel, and I don't know, not feeling like guilty about it. I Mm -hmm. feel like that's the, that's the thing. Just like planning, follow through and like discipline. Those are the Mm -hmm. things that, I mean, it doesn't sound sexy,
0: but that's the, that's the stuff that makes me feel like replenish and feels like, all right. It just makes me wonder like what else is in your natal chart? Cause Planning, structure, and follow through don't really strike me as like Capricorn esque. Oh, um. trust me, they're not. They are not. So-
1: <laughs> I need a. I need. I feel like I need a personal bird call. Cuckoo.
0: No, not that. Okay, that's not it. Okay. Ooh, ooh. No, you can't actually sound like a bird. bird. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that
1: was too literal.
0: Yes, it needs to be like chirpy, but like ratchet.
1: Okay. Next next episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna test it out.
0: <laughs> okay, all right, you wanna move on to Curved Chronicles? Oh yeah, let's move on.
1: Now we're gonna move on to Curved Chronicles.
0: Curved. Womp, womp, Don't want one. All right, y'all. So y'all know it's been a minute since I had a thought tale for y'all. Ooh. Come on, Grandma, <laughs> give us a thought tale. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I got, I have, like, so, so many Curved Chronicles for y'all this week. A collection of Curved uh, Chronicles. A, a collection, uh, yes. Um, but I don't want to, how, how long do you want this segment to it? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so I'm... So, in general, since the last episode, I've been dealing with a lot of straight girl woes. It's been pretty bad. Um, yeah. And I guess I'll explain what I mean by that. So, I think I've been dealing with a lot of women who identify as heterosexual who have not worked through their desires. And call, uh-uh. Mm. You gonna call a thing a thing. You up here playing games. They, straight, straight girls who haven't dealt with their desires. What? I mean, how, well, how would you say it then? It's people playing games. They fucked games. up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People who are obviously struggling struggling yeah. with some kind of queerness. Right. But who are, I guess, publicly identifying. As still straight. As straight
0: yeah. yeah. And and I, why I say that they're fucked up is that I was, talk, I was trying to talk through this in my own therapy. But, like, they get to disappear off into, like the heteronormative world which is sort of like safety it's like a net you know so like they can they can like fuck with my brain gaslight me like play with my emotions and then just like go off and be heterosexual yeah. which um and that's not to say i'm not trying to get into this conversation with y'all today about like if, if um like sexuality is a choice because i do think that like it's okay if people choose to like date another gender because the gender that they've been dealing with has not worked out. Sure. Like, I think that's a perfectly valid way of, like, what of exploring, whatever, or being. Um, but that's just not me. You know, like, I, I am not sexually attracted to men, so I'm not gonna be out here being het- like forcing myself to be heterosexual sure. because like life as a queer woman is just too like right. struggle, struggle horrific sure, 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 like sure. that. That's just not me, you know. Um, so I live flagrantly in the sight of my ancestors, <laughs> ain't that what uh, <laughs> Alexis, Mother Pauline Gone yeah, said? Yeah, you the know, high
1: priestess. Yeah, of
0: so you know, I'm I just be out here, and it's not that I just be out here. As far as, like, oh, sexuality, I'm gay, you know, fuck with me. But I also do it, like, on this, like, I don't know what other word to say, but, like, on this political level of, like, being a a lesbian to me is not just about, like, loving women, sure. But it's also about, like, attacking patriarchy and, like, transphobia and, like, misogyny. Like, you know, I do all of that stuff. And so... (sighs) So yeah, so there were like these straight women who were kinda like playing with my feelings and had me feeling like really crazy, um or brazy. What is brazy? <laughs> uh it's it's the not problematic way oh, okay. of saying that. So until that word is reclaimed okay. by the community. Just say they had me feeling brazy. All right. I don't want to go into detail because I feel like yeah. folks listen. They do. But I also feel like they know who they are. Like yeah. <laughs> So I just feel kind of like if you listen and you think I'm talking about you, then I am. Like And it's totally not cool for, it's just not cool. Like I, I left, I left a place that I was and came out and ended up bumping into Nikita. She almost ran me over in her car. That's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> she did. This is how small Syracuse is. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, you know, and this this like person wanted to meet with me to talk about one thing, but was like like touching me in ways that felt really like sexual and yeah. like flirtatious. Flirty, yeah. Um. But when I would respond in that way, it's like, <laughs> girl, you thought I was trying to hug you. <laughs> I'm yeah. straight. Yeah. Or you know, and it was just, it was just like why. Why am I putting myself in this position? Like, why am I sitting here dealing with this? And then it goes back to you know like that, like social isolation. Like, I was trying to talk through this. I don't understand it. It's really hard to describe. Um, do you get what I'm saying? But it's really hard to describe. Like straight, straight girl shit. It's like, I don't. Like, what do you mean? Like it's hard to describe because because you don't want to sound like the lesbian who thinks everybody yeah, is gay. But yeah, yeah. so that's not but, it though. But exactly. But how do you describe these interactions without sounding like, bitch, I know you wanted me? You know? It's like... I mean, I feel like it goes back to Ashan's uh, thread where he was
1: like, so, I mean, he's just an amazing uh, black gay thinker. Um, But he had this thread where he was naming this kind of thing where, like, what... I mean, I'm going to, like, butcher it, and I'm not going to be as, like, poetic as he was, but he was basically, like, the thing about queer people is, you know, their interactions, you know, with particular kinds of straight people is that, like, we bring up, what did he say? He framed it as, like, you know, the 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 glances the emails the, the messages, text messages like the there's DMs. there's a whole thing where he basically said I guess to use your word it's like brazy making mm-hmm. and it's like you know that like someone is like yeah like being you know being flirty and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and but the thing that I thought was really important about like what he was like getting at is that as queer people like we're not supposed to name that right right and it's like because it's like once you name it then it's, like, it, you know, it makes it real. And mm-hmm. then they're going to have to contest with or and confront particular Their desires. yeah.
0: But, which they need to do. Like, I, th- I think something... I, I was reading that thread over and over again and, like, crying. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, something I got from that is that people think that queer folks have, like, worked through all that is gender and sexuality yeah. as a spectrum because we um decide to share our identities with yeah. you. And that's not the case. Like, I still... Um, like, work through my desires and, like, unpacking that shit, like, yeah. daily, you know? And and because things are relational, that's constantly changing. Yeah. Um, But the fact that you choose not to work through that. Right. And you actively choose to, I don't know, I don't even know the word, but you, like, if somebody were to call you gay, you would say some real fucked up, homophobic shit, yeah. but then you want to, like, Snapchat me with your shirt off. Right, right, Talking right. to me about something that has nothing to do with anything. You right. know, like, like, oh, girl, I was reading this magazine, but you're talking to me. It's, it's brazy making, right? Yeah. Like, you're talking to me about something completely unrelated and you're topless in a snap, right? Yeah. So you know it's going to go away, which is another thing that's right. like, like, I can't even be like, I can't even show somebody else to be like, look at this. Like, you... Right. We all know what good morning texts mean. That's like a socially accepted thing. Somebody messaged you, good morning, beautiful. Unless it's your parent, right. you know what that means. Right. <laughs> like we we have all accepted this as a generation. Sure. Like, or the you up text message. Right. We all know what this means. Right. But if I was to respond to you, like What's good, yeah, it's it's a production now because you're straight. Right. And how dare I like assume right. that you wanted that right. when you're texting me you up or good morning beautiful. Right. And I think so me and my best friend in undergrad used to call it ass hours. Like between <laughs> Wow. Between like eleven and two, you not texting me about nothing nice. Right, right, right. You're not texting me about like this bu- this riveting book you're reading, right? Or some shit. Those are ass hours. So you're, te- you know, like whatever. Unless we just have, cause I'm a night owl. Yeah. So unless we just have like this friendship where, sure. where it's like hashtag team night owls. Yeah. Um. And you know, hey, I'm up, girl. You should check this out. Yeah. That's very different than like, you up? What you doing? Right. At like one a.m. But you're a heterosexual woman. And how dare this like big old dyke say that right. you flirting with her? And I feel like it's not even
1: like these things in and of themselves, but I feel like it's like when because all of these things in and of them, like if they happen individually, mm-hmm. you'd be like, okay, whatever. But when there's like the pattern, yeah, yes, excuse me, you're just kind of like,
0: huh, what's what's that about? What's going on? Yeah, and even I think I think um, my it's just <laughs> it's just really hard to be because <laughs> I'm just like I think my um my sort of like baseline is to be like okay nobody is flirting with me nobody wants me mm-hmm. like that you know as far as like when people approach me, right, right, because right. again, because I don't want to be read as that, right. like exactly. Oh, this she just think everybody gay, <laughs> right? Uh, even though I do think everybody <laughs> gay, <laughs> but <right>. I, just, <laughs> I think we have some untapped desires to like work through, but um for another episode, you know, desire is not the same as practice. So just because you ain't done nothing, don't mean you ain't thought nothing. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, you know, so that, so sort of, like, my go-to when somebody approaches me is, like, homies, hey. Yeah. Um, and so, I think if if it's, like, me saying this, then it really was, like, all these things. Because I think for a long time, I was, like, nah, nah. And you was, like, yes. Yeah. Like, this is happening. Um, and so, that also, like, makes me feel like, this. oh, this shit was real. Like, because I'm the type of person to be, like, no, of course they're not interested right. in me. They're, everybody is hetero. Right. Whatever. You know, like that's right. how I approach stuff and kind of like to protect myself. Um, yeah, but it was weird because like I haven't I haven't been through straight girl stuff like this since like high school. high school. Yeah, yeah, and so it was just really weird. Like I I didn't know that those type of like people still existed. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, so,
1: I think it's also. It's like, even if it's not I'm, like, directly, like, interested, I think that there, I I do feel like there is a thing where people who are trying to, like, who are figuring these things out are, like, trying to, like, figure these things out through you or, Mm -hmm. like, via you. And it's like, I mean, again, there's nobody more than us that understands how difficult it is to come, you know to, for lack of a better word, come out, to real, not mm-hmm. even come out, but even just, even come to understand it. Come in to yourself. For yourself. Yeah. It's like, that's difficult, but it's like, it's unfair to do it in these really, um, these, like, I don't know, you can't do that through and on, me. like, somebody yes. else. Or if you want to, like, talk about it, and again, I, I get that it's difficult, because mm-hmm. it's like, then, you know, that makes it real, but it's like, you have to find some other ways yeah. of doing that in a way that that's not, like, yeah. you know, fucked up.
0: Because, you know, I'm you know, I'm all about like healing and community. Yeah. I would be so down to sit with somebody if they were like, hey, I don't I don't actually know what I feel or think, and I would love to talk to you about like right. sexuality. Right. If you wanted to sit down and have that conversation with me, I would be so down to do right. that with somebody. I don't know. There's that. And then I have a less cerebral curved chronicle. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, before I get into this one, though, I just need everybody to know that my DM game has drastically improved. If I keep saying that I'm going to make money, a most
1: improved DM certificate, (laughs) because, I
0: mean, it's real. I've been impressed. I didn't think she had it in her. I would just like to thank um, the Batty Brigade from South by Southwest that had a a moment with me and you all it was a serious intervention it was an intervention on my dms yeah and so i just want to thank everybody in that group y'all know who y'all are it's like a 180 (laughs) yes i have not mentioned time zones in my 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 dms in like a month and they're just like they're like short they're (laughs) succinct they're cute i'm using emojis now i've
1: been saying that but you know sometimes you gotta hear something from somebody else
0: I just didn't think it. that people were that receptive to emojis, but yeah. they really are. They're flirty. They're cute. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're welcome. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, my DM game has been sh- popping. And so I decided to reinstall Tinder because I was feeling sad. Uh, <laughs> and I ended up actually matching with a black woman, mm-hmm. which is like, <laughs> where? Right. In Syracuse. But, um, yeah, and so she was actually in a neighboring city. And so we matched, you know, whatever. Like, hey, how you doing? And then she uh, sent me a link to an event. And she was like, oh, this is my event. I couldn't help but invite you or something like that, right? And I, so I sent it to the, uh, <laughs> the group because I needed feedback. Because like I said, I, I am improving on my DM game, but I am still very awkward. Um, and so I immediately wanted to talk about like the history of this event and like, like the performers. Oh my fucking God, I forgot about I think I blocked this out. <laughs> but I didn't. I got feedback from the homies and I, you know, I approached it in a flirty way. And so we had been like talking off and on for the week up until the event, right? So I went to the event on Saturday, and she and I were the only black people there. Which is not unusual, like I said, upstate New York, right? Um, but she didn't speak to me when I walked in, so I was like, hmm, okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ordered some food, because the food was banging there. So I, I you did say to, it was popping. Yes, that food was the bomb, but, yeah, so anyway, um, then she comes over to me after a while, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe she just didn't see me at first, and she's like, are you the next performer? And I yes. said, <laughs> I said, um, no. No, at first, b- before I said no, I said hey, because I thought she was coming over to say like, hey to hey, me, yeah. we've been talking on Tinder for a week, so I'm like, hey, and she said, are you the next performer, and I was like, no, and she was like, really, I was like, yeah, I probably look familiar to you, because we matched, and we've been talking, on am and she was like, really, no. And then she like walked away, right? So I'm like, um, okay. And just so y'all know, like, I don't have pictures from 15 years ago on my Tinder. Right? Like, it's a, it's a. They're, they're very why. representative. <laughs> they a, look like you. <laughs> it's me, because I know a bitch be switching my hair a lot, so I I constantly yeah. update my photos, right? Um, and I know I'm very photogenic, which is a curse. <laughs> so, uh, spare me. <laughs> you know, I look I look like a baddie in pictures, and so I, you know, I have to make sure that the 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 in person representation matches up because I am very photogenic um, <laughs> I am you are so uh, so you know I was cute I was cute that day um, and so then she walks off whatever whatever mind y'all again we're the only two black people in the room um, and so then she comes up to me again and is like "You are you performing and I was like I already told you no <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And I'm I'm eating my food at this point because I'm like, okay, well, she just curved me, right? Like, right. whatever. Um, I already told you why I look familiar to you and you were like, oh, no. And so then I don't remember like what else she said, but it was just like this, this like, well, then why are you here sort of vibe? And so I, I ignored her um, <laughs> and she walked off and she like disappeared into white land after that. Um, so I just sat there finishing my food cause I was like, this was really awkward. And I was more annoyed because I would not have attended this event because I know it's so white. Like right, it's, right. it's white in Syracuse. And yeah. so in a neighboring city that isn't as like right. big as Syracuse, I knew it was going to be extra white, but I went because I've been talking to this bitch on Tinder yeah. for the last week. And then <laughs> I get there and she's like, you sure you're not a performer? Bitch! You know who I am. And what kind of question is that? What do you mean, I'm sure? <laughs> oh, actually, I have a, a whole song composed, I totally, and I forgot that I had it. I totally forgot about this whole set list that right. I prepared. No, bitch, I'm not a performer. I have a lot of talent. Singing is not one of them. <laughs> um, and so as I'm sitting there eating my food, as we've talked about before on the podcast, white lesbians love me. All right. So, <laughs> so this this white girl comes up to me and she's talking to me and but (laughs) I'm I'm impressed with what she did though yeah me too I have to steal this game so she was uh, so she was grading right so I'm guessing she was like a TA or something and she's like yeah you know I procrastinated all this time and now I have to sit at this event like grading and she's like but I guess at least people know I'm smart you know she was real like she had some game yeah she had game I was like okay okay so we were talking about like being a TA or whatever and then she goes so are you here by yourself and I was like, yes, <laughs> and kind of like in a real short way because I'm like, leave me alone. I just got curved, you know the, and <laughs> you know the 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 white lesbians smell it on it. They're yes. like,
1: oh, black lesbian of my dreams. Here she is. It's <laughs> such a
0: great white person, but like, but I think she had also witnessed the like, are you sure you're not a performer? So I was like. I think she just saw me get curved, oh. and she's thinking I'm kind of vulnerable. <laughs> but anyway, easy prey. So-, <laughs> so she's like, "Oh, um, so you here by yourself?" I'm like, "Yeah." And then she's like, "Are you single?" Just like straight up asked me. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah." And she said, "Well, are you looking?" <laughs> I just admire. The straightforwardness. It, yeah, it was it was pretty like bold and incredible. Yeah, and um, I, I need to take some of those pointers. But I was like not here, and I said it like that because this it was like painfully white. It yeah. was like um, like heavy metal, like yeah. white yeah. with like you know, haircuts that look like they like <laughs> hacked their way <laughs> at it in their bathrooms, and I mean like. <laughs> I, I am a black girl. That is I just... I don't know. Like, I am not exposed to that type of whiteness on a regular basis. Yeah. um And so, it just kind of throws me off. Like, <laughs> I'm like, ah! So, <laughs> so, I was like, not here. And I saw her face, like, contort. You know, she's like, mm, bitch bitch. Like, and I was like, no offense, but, like, no. Um, yeah. And so, she, like, continued, you know, we kind of talked a little bit more... And she was like, oh, we should... Sh- she basically, like, offered to, like, meet up some other time. She was like, yeah, this it's so loud here. Like, maybe we should grade together. Damn! Yeah, she was like, maybe we should grade together some other place. Because, again, we were talking about being TA's. And I was like, I've, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so she was like, Can I, may I ask why? And I was like, well, I'm no, not really... No, okay, this is too much. <laughs> I was like, I'm not really interested in, like, dating a white person. Uh-huh. And she was like... Oh And I was like Here we go It's about to be some fuckery But she really didn't She was just like Alright then Well Okay You know the sweet potato fries Are the best things on the menu Oh okay I Was she like, oh, trying okay. to make
1: some thing some Do some kind of subliminal thing To be like I know how those darkies feel About yams and sweet <laughs> potatoes a in this way.
0: I did not even think about that. I just, I don't know. I love sweet potato fries. Yeah. And they was hitting, so I appreciated her suggestion. She uh, had game, though. She had a lot of game. That's impressive. She just, you know. Not for you. And not, uh, like, not for nothing. Like, not even, because I've dated a white person before, but not even for a white person would she be my type. Like, yeah. it's, it just wasn't, wasn't, yeah. Yeah, wasn't going to be it. And I was also, like, in my feelings because, again, the only other black person in the establishment um, yeah. had just, you know. Was trying Completely. Yeah. yeah. And so, I left the event after I finished my food. Yeah. It was good. Um, And I unmatched her on Tinder. Yeah, that sounds about so. right.
1: You should have, when well, she asked if you were performing you should have got up there and been like, what's her name? <laughs> you should be like, yo, so-and-so. <laughs> Is acting like a fuck ass right now. We, you know, we match and now she's trying to act like she don't know me.
0: <laughs> it's me,
1: bitch. It's me.
0: And you should have left at the event. No. I would have been labeled like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have been ostracized from the dating community. Oh, right.
1: Because when are you going to go back to that town again? <laughs> yeah. Real
0: lost there. No, I might go back. For we what? have some friends there.
1: I meant to, So, they posted about the event later, and apparently there was, like, some black
0: women performing.
1: There was some... I yes! I connected you. So,
0: okay. So, Samus was performing. So, that's why I was gonna go. Oh. But those motherfuckers, they didn't say... It was a two-day event. Oh. And she was performing the next day. That's how I was gonna go. So, I hope, like, the Lull and Curve Chronicles was made up for, for like, this yeah. very... And, vibe. This, is, <laughs> and, and
1: like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs>
0: For me,
1: this was actually this was a good curved chronicle because it was like, I mean, there's some of them were little like, so not only did you have two, but within within a curved chronicle, this is like inception. You had a curved chronicle, like you, no, 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 no. Excuse me, you yeah. curved somebody, and we're curved. It's like <laughs> curved inception, meta curve.
0: It was a meta-curve. Meta-curve. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that that white lesbian went on to curve someone else at the event Yeah, wow. (laughs) So it's just like flip-flop. Ring around the curve. (laughs) (laughs) We all curve now! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So, y'all can also submit your Curve Chronicles to QueerWalkPi at (laughs) gmail.com. Um... Yeah, because this is, like, one of my favorite segments because it's just yeah. real shit, y'all. It's hard out here. I don't know if I've curved anyone.
1: No, I guess not. No, I guess not. No curves here. I'm not going
0: to play this game, Nikita. Okay. Doesn't mean I can't still curve. How do you feel about long-distance relationships? Never mind. This episode is too long. We can get into it another time. Yeah. All right, y'all. This this is a wrap. <laughs> Wrap it up then. All right, y'all. Don't forget, hit us up on all the platforms. Use the hashtag QueerWalk if you're listening. Don't forget to become a patron. Become
1: a patron. Use the hashtag QueerWOC. Just do all the things. Yeah. We out. We out.